When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Yeah, this, this game was a little different with, you know, last game was a grind. Like, it was just like, oh, man. It just, but this game was back and forth grinding, and there wasn't a lot of shots. Um, but it was a, a back and forth compete game. And, um you know, the, the everyone was every, every player on, bo- on both sides were fighting for um, every inch that, uh, that that was out there. So um, it it uh, yeah it this had a real a real good hockey game feel, a real like you say playoff atmosphere. Oh yeah, you like that? I, I you like, like that. you like that? I like how that tastes. You like how that tastes? Welcome into Judd's Hockey Show with executive producer and co-host Declan Goff. It is a full show today. It is not a one-timer because there's so much to talk about, including the Wild sweep on Monday and Wednesday, the Vegas Golden Knights at the XL Energy Center. The Wild now in third place in the West, but only a couple points behind the Golden Knights and uh, I believe one point behind the St. Louis Blues. Everything has been going pretty well of late since the Wild got back home uh, from uh, splitting a series or splitting two games against the Arizona Coyotes, who the Wild will now play uh, three consecutive games. And previous to that, they actually lost a pair of games against the Golden Knights. Um, Dean Everson, mm-hmm. in the soundbite that you just played, Declan Goff, said something which is where I want to start, okay? Okay. And I think you've got some thoughts off of this as well. All right, hit me. Thursday night's game was certainly not perfect. Wild up four to one in the third period. Damn near blew it for the second time. Alex Tuck missing an oh. empty net late, which I think um, Joel Eriksson. I think that you all got a stick on it. He certainly helped um, make make Tuck uh, try to adjust his shot. Sure, and Tuck ultimately missed what was a wide open net because Kapokakinen had made a save and was then out of position. All of that. I get the fact that the Wild won, the most important thing. I get the fact that it it probably was not per- perfection. But where Dean is right is that was a playoff game, basically. Yeah. Like the ebb and flow, the second period was not great, but there were a lot of elements to that game that Dex, I thought, was very had very much a playoff feel. And I can't tell you how much damn fun it is to watch a game that has a playoff feel in March of a shortened season, and to come away feeling like, you know what? 
the Wild can really compete now. They like can. this is a different. This this is such a different because. The previous teams, you always felt that there was just some type of flaw that was going to submarine them, right? That game last night, to me, was indicative of a very hard win, hard fought, but really impressive. And it's the path that this franchise is going down. Yes, it is. I mean, I I told you on the last podcast that I think if you get one more piece here, because by the way, I believe Mark Stone was back on Wednesday. He was. Portangelo was not? Yeah, was Petro, no, Petro, Petro, was was sent not? Ho- Petro was sent home. So, Stone was back last night. But they got their captain back, and he's an integral part of their team. I told you on Monday that, look, at full strength, the Knights are still, are still a better team than the Minnesota Wild. Um, if you get a center, I'm curious. But at the same time, and I can get nitpicky here because I can talk out of both sides of my mouth. So I'll go to the left side of the right side. <laughs> Man, just, I can't believe I just said that. I'll go off the right side of my mouth for what has actually happened. I almost tripped myself up there. You're among friends here. Don't worry about it. Among the four games the Wild have played, the, the Wild have won three. The Wild have won three out of four against the Las Vegas Golden Knights so far this season. At the same time, two of those three wins, you nearly blew it. You know, like on Monday, uh, the, the first meeting of the season, you blew that game. Yesterday, you nearly blew that game. So you were that close. To actually now flipping the script and having it having lost three out of four games to Las Vegas because you almost collapsed in the third period. Yeah, and hey, credit to Peter DeBoer pulling that goalie, pulling a Patrick Wall with what four and a half, five minutes left, and and it worked. It worked for them. Yeah, because what I didn't want to see was in that third period when the Wild came into the period tied. They scored a couple goals. They kept their foot on the gas pedal, and of course, my kiss of death. Right as I tweet that out, they go in their prevent defense mode, which is just infuriating to me. And now. Was that a DeBoer tactic, pulling flurry, getting the team a little spiked up? Ah, there might be a little bit something there, but I kind of don't like to fall into those stupid hockey tendencies, two-goal leads, all that nonsense. I, I try to stay away from it. At the end of the day, it's a damn game. But all in all, look at the 30,000-foot view. The Wild have won three out of four against Las Vegas, and I think this would be an entertaining playoff series in a best-of-seven. It has the similar feel, certainly different teams and different situations, Judd, but has a very similar feel to me to the first Colorado Avalanche series from 2003. You have a stacked Colorado team. Like that Colorado team in 2003 was leaps and bounds on paper better than the Minnesota Wild. Oh, yeah. And that the Wild a, should never have been able to hang with them, that right? That was a way big, bigger difference. Huge that difference. That was coaching. But, yeah, it was coaching. That was it, was, it was Walls putting the, putting the clamps down on, yeah. on that line. Granato same, had no same clue what he was doing. Granato was a rookie coach. DeBoer is not a rookie. But, but it has the feel of, on paper at least, that Las Vegas Golden Knights team is superior to the Wild. Like if you look just at a third, like it's pretty obvious that the Vegas Golden Knights are a better team oh, than the Minnesota deeper. Wild. Yeah, they're deeper. They're deeper. No question. But at the same time, the Wild, this pesky team, can give them fits. And I'm curious to see if you get a legit center, Judd. I think this elevates the entire conversation. I, I, re, I real. It, it's not just anymore. Hey, is it Vegas and Colorado as as the two teams in the West Division that'll probably make a case, make a case, and run for a cup? The Wild are right in it if you get the right center here. And I'm curious how that goes. It's two. It's two of four, right, against the Golden Knights because they they lost. They blew the game. They blew game one. Correct. Then they got blown out, or they got beat badly yep. in game two, and th- then they just swept. So I think it's two of four. Correct. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I mean you're right, but here's the oh, so here's the positive spin I'm going to put on what you just said. Okay. Here's what I love. Number one, this team is everything that the previous team was not, which is I absolutely love. They work hard. They, they've got, I think they've got two stars. Like, I, Fiala on his best nights can be a star. Kaprizov's a star, right? Yeah. Um, but everybody works hard. Like, think about the, think about the 
amount of unentitled players that dot this roster now. And it starts with the Eck line. Like, Eck and Felino and Greenway are good players, but think about how much decks they apply themselves. And they were, I mean, this is, in my opinion, the 180 of previous wild teams in this sense. It's not only fun to watch, they're likable. Like, this is what I wanted opening night. I said, (laughs) I think this team might be likable, and so far, they have been. Like, you like watching them. You don't end up muttering below your breath a bunch of expletives <laughs> because somebody took a shift off or or there's a goal and a guy throws his head back like, what was I supposed to do? Oh, How Right, yeah. The woe is me Boudreaux phrase was absolutely appropriate. <laughs> this team, think about the amount of players who might not be great, but they have some skill, but they work their ass off. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But here's what, so to your point, on the center, you're a thousand percent right. Like, there's no debating that. There's no Victor Rask is not coming around. Nick Bukestead works. He does work sometimes, not as consistently as I would I like, but he works. But he's not coming around. Like, he's not. You're not going to land on Bukestead and say, "Oh my God, <laughs> okay, we were wrong." Second line, here you go. He's not that guy. Um, so what you just said and went through is a thousand percent right. But where I'm going to give them a break and what I love because I was so. Um, offended and disgusted by previous wild teams Go for it. is I love the track they're on. Like, let's say I think they're going to make the playoffs. And I now think that there's a very good chance in the first round that they'll lose, but they'll give a team fits. Like, I think they'll play hard and give a team fits. And you know what, too? Goaltending could make the difference. I don't know. Capo gets hot. All of that being said, do I think that this franchise is near where they should land in a couple of years? No, I don't. But I'm enthusiastic again because I think they're on the right course. And that includes a multitude of things. One is you've got a couple players now. Like you got guys, Kaprizov can score. Kaprizov is great. Fiala works hard, can score, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a solid blue line. You're going in the right direction, but you're not there yet. But I'm cool with that now. So I'm back to, I'm back to, but I like this team more to the Colorado series. And was, was that 2014 or 15 when, when they upset him in game seven on Nino's goal? Yes, 2014. And that was when we were all excited because it looked like that group was going to develop. They didn't, but it looked like they were going to. But like the future held something then that made you enthusiastic. And then eventually you, you just threw up your hands and said, I quit with this team because they quit. Uh, I'm back to that point, though, of being enthusiastic. Here's the difference. You've got two stars now. Like before it was, well, Parisian Suter, right? They can do it. And then eventually you're like, no, they probably can't. They need help. So, so you're back to building this the right way. If you get a center before the deadline, good for you. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't, you know you're going to eventually. Rossi is going to come back. This just is all tracking. And I know this is Judd. I. Right now, you're saying to yourself, what the hell has happened to the real Judd? <laughs> Who threw him out of the studio? I did. But this is what I but this is what we wanted. And for all of the moaning and complaining and griping that we did, this is why. Yep. They're doing the right thing now. This is why that I found the previous group detestable. And I know y'all might have loved Koivu or Eric Stahl, Ida or Granlund. I don't know. Y'all might have loved them. But they weren't ever gonna be the answer, and any objective person could see that. Well, now they've got some people that are the answer, and they're building upon that. This is what we always kept saying, you've got to blow up that locker room for. Correct. So congratulations, Bill Guerin and Dino. 
Dean and Everson, congratulations. And Paul Fenton. And Paul, yeah. Um, a couple, couple truth bombs for you here, because number one, the evidence is right in your face. The Grand and the Coils and Ninos of the world, you're, you're better off without them. Like, it's, it's right here in front of you. It's, it, 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 the evidence is in your face right now that, the, that those trades did not handicap and, and set your franchise back. And, you're lo- and, I want, and if you do, I want you to look yourself in the mirror yeah. and repeat that to yourself. And your locker room, be- better without Stahl as and well. And big time. Look, and, and your personnel is not. That's what's interesting. Correct. Like, you would take him back as a player, but as a locker room, you would not. I tweeted out last night that I said, look, I applauded Bill Guerin for acquiring the Beninos, the Bugsteads, the Johansson of the world because it was a different look and different fit. And I also believe that those three guys are most likely going to be gone. Nick Benino, on the other hand, look, his play on the ice, and, and he's, he's exactly who he is. He's a bottom-line player. He's a face-off specialist. He's a penalty killer. Mm-hmm. But you're paying him, and, and Bill Guerin wants him here for what he does in the room. Mm-hmm. And th- there is value in that. It, but I, it's on-ice production, replaceable. His off-ice production, hard to find. I, th- I, think, both, I think you can say both those things are true. Um, and when you're looking at these young superstars that you just said, so you know, at one point it was the Granlin and Coyle and Ninos, and they were rising up. Well, let, let me let me give you some numbers here for Fiala, Eric Sinek, and Kirill Kaprizov. Okay. So right now, Kevin Fiala with eight goals, that, that that's .38 goals per game. You multiply that over 82, se- 82 game season, that's 31 goals. Joel Eric Sinek, he's already at 10 goals this season. He doesn't score pretty, but he scores goals. I don't care if they happen. They're goals. No. No, you're, yes, yes, you are correct. He'd Keep on, going. Sorry. He, he'd be on pace for a 34-goal season yep. if it was an 82-game year. Yep. Kirill Kaprizov, the Lord and Savior of this team. My dollar bill Kirill t-shirt is here. Did I sleep in this t-shirt last night? Maybe I did. Will I never take it off again? I don't know. I'm too close to you. Sure. This glass isn't breaking the smell. But if Kirill Kaprizov, you take his numbers, you multiply it over 82 games, he's at 68 points. I just gave you three guys, all under the age of 25, two of them 30-goal scores, one of them a 70-point guy, and now all you need is one more down the middle. You have goaltending. You have defensive depth. You are you, there is one key missing ingredient. And now, like you said, how do you want to address that? Do you want to go and try to mortgage something early right now to make that call? Would you rather wait one more year and try to get Marco Rossi healthy and make sure he's good to go? And, and maybe you try to sign someone in free agency or trade for someone later this summer after your season has ended. I think it's more likely it's the latter path. I understand that, but I do think there is something to be said about Minnesota sports, and this goes to the Twins, the Vikings, I, I guess the Wolves that. We are always saying, wait for one more year. And these are educated people. These are diehard people. There's a lot of people that will come out of their mouths and say, just wait one more year. Honestly, I am saying, bleep that. It's a COVID-shortened season. Things are wacky. If you see a window right now, you see a window right now to make a run for a cup, you have to consider mortgaging things that are significant importance and going and get it right now. Because I, I, you don't know what could happen. What if Kevin Fiala hurts his leg in training camp? What if Joel Eriksson-Eck comes crashing down to earth next season? There's so many variables at play that always go into one year from now. Yeah. So if you see a window to do it, Bill Guerin, friend of the show, go and do it. What can you get right now? That's my question, though. That's my question. What can you get? And, like, I'm with you if you can do it. But, and here's the most important thing. I trust what they're doing, and I trust Garrett. And that's a long ways away from where I was previously, right? Um, let's talk about Benino and Ian Cole, okay? Okay. Uh, because I, I think there's a very important discussion, and it's sort of the conclusion to a discussion that we've had on Judd's Hockey Show for a few years now. Um, and I saw the North Stars do the same thing with players 
who worked hard and weren't necessarily great, but when they had success, and I've come up with a name for them. Okay. They're culture changers. They're culture changers. They are, they are the diuretic of sports. They help you flush out your system from the previous people who screwed up your culture. Okay. So they, they are like a, like a special diet shake that the rest of your team drinks in a good way to flush out the bad and to institute the new. And Benino and Cole, I mean, Cole was traded for what? Patterson, right? Um, who, okay, he played, but he wasn't great. And I don't think he was a bad guy. I don't think he was a bad guy at all. But he was just sort of, uh, he was just sort of there. Like he was a third defensive pairing guy who played and didn't play. But when he played, he was just sort of there. But Benino and Cole, to me, mm-hmm. have helped reshape that room to empower those. You see, this is the problem, and and I always love, I get notes saying, like, oh, Judd, give me examples of what went wrong in the room. Like, do you really need examples to not understand that that room was not a good place? Like, you bow out of the playoffs as easily and as much as they did. Um, the Blue Series, Jake Allen, what's going to be our plan against Jake Allen? Let's shoot from as far away as possible and make him look good. And then at the end of the series, we'll say, look at the shots on goal. That's a lazy culture. That's the culture that this team embraced previously, okay? Benino and Cole have helped empower a room. So you know what? It strengthens Declan Goff. It strengthens the guys like Eck. And it strengthens and emboldens guys like Felino. And now Spurgeon, who probably doesn't talk a ton, but is a very good player, and I think, again, is a good guy, is emboldened to take control. So Jared Spurgeon can't just stand up and be like, I'm the captain and here's what we're going to do. But if the Ian Coles and Nick Beninos of the world defer to him and empower him, guess who's going to listen? Everybody else, right? I, I want to give you an example of something very small and you can, you, if you choose to minimize this, it's your right. Okay. But I saw something on the bench last night that I absolutely loved. And I would ask you, when's the last time you saw this? Okay. okay? Third period, Capo, uh, before before the near collapse, I think it was still 4-1. to one. Capo made a really nice save. He made a huge save. And on the bench, the Felino line, led by Felino, stood up and started hitting their sticks really loudly off the bench, like a kid's hockey game. Like, that was big. That was huge, right? It's a small thing, but it's not. Because it's how invested the majority of this team is in others' successes. I would have never said that about this team the past previously four years, ever. But Felino, that's who he is. Felino, at the end of games, waits at the end on the ice at the end of the bench to congratulate guys when they win. And, and he's now gotten in the habit of taking Zuccarello and lifting him up and hugging him. Little stuff. Sure. And you can minimize it all you want. But I'm telling you right now, in sports and in hockey, it's incredibly important. And it shows you how different this team is. And I will guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if they had a 4-1 lead in the third period last night, two years ago, this team blows that lead. And they lose in overtime. Two points uh, to make up. Number one, a few points. First, love that. I, lo- I, I, I do genuinely love that because there, there is something to be said about hockey culture and also the importance of that room. Uh, I'll take you back... Yeah, four years ago when they lost the when they got Jake Allen, as I like to say, from the Blues, they got Jake Allen by the Blues, and who had the most damning quote in that locker room at the end? Do you remember who it was? Mm-mm. It wasn't Prezier Suter? It wasn't Coy? It was Eric Hall, and he said, "What is this? Four years in a row? 
I'm sick of this crap. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. That's right. What do we got to do? Now, look, Eric Halla, maybe not the most standing individual to be to to to, to judge a culture by the room. But why is it that it's, it's Eric Halla saying that I am the most pissed off about this right now? Yep. And I know people wear their emotions differently in, in all aspects of life, athletes or non-athletes. But I thought that was incredibly telling. And then when you have Bill Guerin come out this summer on Michael Russo's podcast and say, there's something rooted in the culture here after I've been here for a year and it has to change. So when you see Eric Stahl get flipped for a lesser player in Marcus Johansson, it's not because Marcus Johansson is a better player. It's because there's something rooted in the culture that has to change. And for the lack of a better word, Eric Stahl was a part of that problem. Miko Koibu was a part of that problem. That group was. And the Nieder, I don't think necessarily the Nieder Riders, the Zookers, the Grand and the Quills were bad eggs in that locker room. But you've brought up the point that it's contagious once you can see what you can get away with and what leaders set for you. It's it's legitimately you lead by example, and if you see how that's what, what, what's going on in your own locker room and going on in your own household, you can just get away with crap like that. So that's why you had to b- literally blow up that room, and it was so hard to say goodbye to those players. I get that. You're, you're a fan, and you're invested, and I love that you're passionate about that. But also, when you look back on it now, that all those guys, the majority of those guys, the Hollas and all those young players are gone, and Koivu and Stahl are gone, do you really think the subtractions of those teams, mm-hmm. of those players, excuse me, have mm-hmm. hurt the Minnesota Wild here on March 11th, 2021, and going forward into other seasons? It hasn't. No. It, it honestly has not. It's a benefit. It's so, and, and we've been on, a train, on this train of thought for a while, but that, that's why I, just, I, I can't get down with the fact of, like, you're still holding Paul Fenton to a grudge for flipping Nino Niederreiter for Victor Rask. Yeah, it was a bad trade on paper. I get that. Victor Rask is not the player. Nino's thriving in Carolina. Okay, he's, he's having a great year. But guess what? This team is better without Nino Niederreiter, too. Like, you, you, those, both those statements can be true. It's not black and white. So, it, 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 it's, very, it's just fascinating to me to get off my soapbox there. I just thought that this was a team, and it's hard to, to accept. This was a team that at some point in time within the last three or four years, it was very clear that they weren't going to be successful off the ice until they changed, or on the ice until they changed what was off the ice. It was clear as day. It was you. You could go in. I mean, Dex. Uh, pre- previous to COVID, we went into that post game room a lot. Yeah, and you could feel it. And and to your hollow point, how many times did we talk about why is Marcus Foligno the stand up guy here? Mm-hmm. You know why is it, now it makes more sense. Yes, and, and it fits. But you know, three years ago, Marcus Foligno's the spokesman, and he's the only one spitting out the truth that doesn't have to do with himself. There were a lot of quotes about sort of how I'm affected, but there was very little stand up. Hey, this is about me too and the team. So this is this is the most. This is why I now have. It's going to sound weird to say. It, this is why I now have patience again because I like where they're going. If they can get a center immediately, awesome. But if they can't, we are seeing a lot of good things, including this to transition. All right. Hold on. Let me, what do you have for me? Oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do it because <laughs> by my count, six for seventy six now. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Let's see. Uh, there you go. Last night at the Excel Energy Center, a sighting as rare as Bigfoot, a power play goal. The power play is now 6 for 76, 7.9% on the season, 
And fittingly, it was the franchise. Dalla Dalla Bill. Kirill. Who scored the power play goal. It had to happen. I don't know if it's going to break the stretch. And but Kirill scores after taking a puck in the face in the first period. Yeah. And I was concerned about his eye because he I had know. the towel around his eye. And and then I think he got stitched up. Kirill Kaprizov comes back in, and the Wild has two power plays last night, and they score on one, and we'll see if this breaks the ice. Now, they basically rotated the lines through again, so they, they went back to that. They had done that a few weeks ago because the power play was going so bad. They rotated. They essentially just went to rotating the lines. Then the last couple, I don't know, last week or so, it went back to a official power play Unit and Zuccarello was on the point along with Suter. And then last night when they scored that power play goal, if I'm not mistaken, they had, it was um, uh, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, was it, who was the center? Bukestad was out Bukestad, there. For, oh, okay, because like, that's, I think for the that's goal. just the line. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Bukestad. And then by the time they scored the power play goal, the points were the Dumba and Brodine uh, duo. But anyway. We finally get a power play goal. And I do have to believe that this is going to break the ice a bit because there's no way when you've got 97 and 22 on your team that you should be historically bad on the power play. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see them actually score a power play goal because, like you said, it's like seeing Bigfoot out in... Uh, Kaprizov worked for it, too. Might have been Nord... Yes, he Ju- did. Jumped on that, pu- that puck in the slot. And I will say, um, and very interesting having a uh, different broadcast team, on the team go ahead, call yesterday. Go ahead and talk about it. You've talk, you'll talk about it every was, time. Uh, it was Don't great. pull punches now. It was great to hear. And you could even hear Who them the game say, last night? Um, uh, you had Eddie O as color. And I John Forslund? And, and I believe Forslund was your play-by-play. John Forslund's very um, solid. Yeah, it wasn't the... Future voice of the Seattle Kraken, by the yes. way. Yes. Oh, no, no. was not not not, not, not him. Not okay. The, not the voice of the... I know you're talking about, but not the voice of the, the Kraken. wasn't my boy Kenny either. I, forget, I just forget who it was. Um, but it was just... It was Brendan great Burke? to hear... Another perspective on the Minnesota Wild, because also that power play was working for the Wild yesterday. There was option. They were, they were getting yeah. decent, halfway decent looks. Yeah. Um, Zuccarello was putting the puck on net. Kaprizov was putting himself right in front of it. I, it, it if you can just, it, it's just like when you hit a nice golf shot, when like you, you shank ten in a, nine in a row and then you hit one perfect one. It's like, oh my God, why can't I just do that every time? It, it, it's the same thing watching the power play. Um, so I was very... I was I was infatuated seeing them score a power play goal because it just hasn't happened, and you can see the emotion from Kaprizov when he scores the goal. Like it, 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 it's, it's, it's great. It's great. He probably started crying. And look, th- there is something to be said, and I know some people have said, "Well, look, they, they score five on five. It's fine, and it, it's good. Scoring five on five at an elite level does typically translate to deep playoff success. So that is good. But folks, you you, you do have to be better than six and a half percent. You can I you will not make it. Converting five percent of your power play opportunity. If you can get that up to ten or fifteen, even which is still below league average, a league average power play is about twenty. And six percent is not even possible, really. It, it really isn't. If you can, if you can up that to ten or fifteen by the end of the year, I mean, then then we're okay. It's not completely abysmal. It's below league average, but it is not something that we've never seen before. Which is what the wild, the wild are tracking to shatter the NHL record for a power play percentage. Not just like oh they're flirting with it. No no no, they are on track. To shatter it's almost eight percent now. Come on, let's oh, all great. calm down. Okay, so it's now it's now it's a percent there. Um, yes, it was great to see them score on a power play. I was I was very happy, very happy to see them score on a power play for once. 
Kapo Kakinen. All right. Yes. He's next. Um, so, so we talked about him on the uh, one-timer that we did after the Wild won game one of the two games against Vegas on Wednesday, I believe. Or no, Tuesday. So here's the thing with Kapo. Right now, he is your number one goaltender. I like him a lot. I think he's played well. He played, obviously, better on Monday than Wednesday, but he's been solid. I think he does. I still think he does a nice job of playing a calm game for the most part where there's not a lot of drama, uh, covers up rebounds, although that tuck one was very juicy. All of that being said, I don't want to be misconstrued here, and I'm not sure what your feeling is on this when it comes to Capo. Um, Capo right now to me is the 1A goaltender. Uh, he has taken that from Cam Talbot, but make no mistake, if the Wild is going to make the playoffs and be successful at all, both goaltenders have to be damn good. So I don't want this to be a a doomnick thing, right? Oh man, now you found your top goaltender and everybody else can just play beat behind him once in a while. Like that got to me, with the way the game's played now, the doomnick thing, and I know that he came in that first year and was phenomenal and basically... Single-handedly took this team to the playoffs. But the Dubnik thing became this all-consuming, very 1986. He's going to play all the time, isn't he? Uh, I am in no way, shape, or form trying to insinuate that I believe that Capo should be that guy. And so while I'm very impressed and I'm glad that he got the opportunity to prove himself, and I think he's continued to do a nice job, Declan, I don't want this to be a, yeah, now Talbot's the backup, right? You are going to be in this condensed schedule, which is ridiculous you are going to need both these guys to shine consistently. I think that's a very fair thing to say mm-hmm. while praising Capo for the most part with the fact he's done really well. Yeah, it's hard to pull a goalie when he's won eight in a row, and that's where Capo is at right now. And it's it's very, it's it, look, it's very clear that he's your number one guy right now. And I still think you can figure out ways to get Tam Talbot in. You got three against Arizona. He's going to start at least one of those. I play him Friday night. Yeah, I, I would probably I play, play him Friday. And look, like you don't, and I, to, to the point I'm trying to make of him staying hot, just because you rest Capo on Friday does not mean like you're stopping his streak. This streak has had Talbot starts in between it of Capo winning eight in a row. It's not like Capo start Capo Kakinen has not started eight games in a row. He's won his last eight starts, so you can right. still figure out ways to get Cam Talbot involved. And I, and for the betterment of Capo's health and for this team, you need Cam Talbot to be exactly who Cam Talbot is, which is a league average goaltender. That's what I told you when they signed him. Yep. We did our goalie exercise. You don't need Cam Talbot to play at a Vesna level. And look, Capo Kakadin is flirting with the Rookie of the Year award, rightfully so, with, right up there with Kirill. I don't, he's not put, not going to put himself in the Vesna top three. He might get a couple cute votes here and there because he's having such a nice season. Yep. But you need Cam Talbot just to be a league average goaltender at this point, and that's okay. If you can get Cam Talbot to be a league average... And it, I, I, it speaks to how bad Dubnik and Stalock were for a good portion of last season. Exactly. Because they weren't that. Because if you can just get him to be a league... It's not an out like, oh, God, here we go. We got to yeah, get that's Cam what are, Talbot. That's what people are going to think. Oh, we're back to Dubnik. No, Dubnik no. was much worse than a league average goaltender. So I, I do think if, if Talbot can just be a league average dude, they're going to be just fine. And I'm curious to see how that goes. So Capo, so I, I put Capo on a short list of this, we're, we're what? Are we 24 games in now? Yeah, something like that. Is that correct? Okay. Yep. I Almost put Capo on a list of two here of the most pleasant surprises so far for this team because Kaprizov is unbelievable, but we knew he was good, right? Like it's, I'm pleasantly surprised by him stepping in and being this good immediately, but it's no secret that this guy thrived in Russia. 
So I wouldn't say that I'm really surprised. I just think he's great. Um, Kapokokkanen, to me, and Erickson Eck are the most pleasant surprises. Erickson Eck is, works his ass off. Yes. Which I love. Um, started to play really well, I thought, at times last year, but is a primary beneficiary now of Koivu being gone. And this guy has 10 goals, which leads the team. But he also is is a candidate, I think at this point, for the Selkie as the top defensive forward, which almost always goes fair not to a center in the entire league. Because Dex, his line is scoring goals, getting points, and consistently playing against the opponent's top line. Mm-hmm. And Erickson Eck has matured and turned himself into a fantastic player, and it's almost like at some point in time he realized what his skills were because he's not a great player. He just works hard, and he's he's got some talent. But it's almost like at some point in time he either got sat down and was told or realized himself, I'm good, but if I but if I do X, Y, and Z as far as my work goes, I can be great. Correct. And I think he's one of these these guys, and they come along and they're special, who realize that I've got a skill for being a pest and for being really good defensively, and if I do that, it's going to lead to offense, ergo the goal scoring. So I can't tell you how impressed and pleasantly surprised I am by a guy who two years back I thought might be a complete first-round bust Yep, and now has become one of probably the top defensive centers and then by extension created offense, not just on this team, no, in the league. Right or wrong, Joel Erickson Eck will always be compared with Brock Besser till the day they retire. That's just that's going to be the unfortunate nature of the beast. They were three picks apart. Minnesota could have taken Besser and taken the hometown kid. And Besser is being Brock Besser in Vancouver right now, which has taken a significant step back. I I mean I know they lost Markstrom, but I, I did not think Vancouver um, would basically be, ba- be crashing deal. down to earth really hard. I, I thought with the way they played in the playoff and the bubble last year that they were going to be a, a, a team to beat in Canada. Yeah, they've been. And, bad. and right now, Brock Besser's been phenomenal, dude. He's got 14 goals. He's a sexy player. I want to use this analogy. Basically, you date Brock Besser or you marry Joel Erickson Eck. You know, that that's kind of where you're at right now. Like, do, do you want the stability? Do you know what you're getting with Joel Erickson Eck? Is he as flashy and as sexy as Brock Besser, for the lack of better words? No, he's not. Mm-hmm. His talent is not going to be what drives him home. He's, he works his ass off. He gets in front of the net, and he does, like you said, X, Y, and Z to get the end result that he wants. And that's and that's a good thing. And he plays a position of need right now, and he's doing a role of shutting down opposing line players, and he has quietly put himself in the Selkie position. He should be a finalist for the Selkie, and I don't think that's even a Homer glasses. Um, and by the way, I don't think this is a podcast that puts on a lot of Homer uh, Homer glasses and Homer beer goggles by any means. Um, but Joel Erickson belongs in that Selkie conversation because of what he's able to do, and he's and he's getting goals. Like it'd be one thing if he was shutting down opposing lines, and he only had two goals this year. He's getting goals. He's and a I, 10. And I don't care how sexy they look if they don't well, pull up sec- on an ESPN top 10. I don't care that about that. That second goal last night was that Flurry, by the way, had the puck, and, and a lot of officials blow that dead, okay? Yeah, they do. But that goal was a testament to who he's become. Correct. Because he kept going. He just kept going. And guess what? They didn't blow a whistle. That's impressive. It that, is. That's as impressive to, to me as. A nice slap shot, right? Yeah. Or like a nice deke. Yep. When you basically get that call and keep going. And I'll go back to, to this well, too. Dex, how many wild players previously in previous years w- would have basically stopped, watched Flurry cover that puck, 
and listen to the whistle. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean to pile on, but I have to. I feel like I have to because this is exactly what we wanted. Like, this is why it was so bad. And there's and, and I think a lot of people got that, and I think a lot of people didn't. But this is why it was so bad, and this is why the tide is turning now. Um, I got a question for you off of a guy I think is your, well, next to Caprizo, is your favorite player on this team. Yep, I know it is. How difficult is it? Because it was difficult for, for me in the press box last night to watch this. And this guy on Monday had, had a great game. It was difficult for me to watch Kevin Fiala with Rask and Parisi. Mm-hmm. Because Kevin Fiala is, I think, arguably the fastest player on that team. If not the think, fastest, I, he's top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, him and Kareel are. And Rask right. and Parisi are sundial guys. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, I don't know. Like, I get the fact that Parisi and Fiala, when they're not colliding, have had some chemistry in the past. Mm-hmm. And they look good on Monday. But just for the long term and watching Fiala with those two, uh, I don't know. I feel I feel for Fiala with what you're talking about when you don't have a center that you could put him with because there is so much more there. And Kevin Fiala, to his credit, I'll give him this. I think he's worked hard through most games this season, Declan, to create plays. Like yeah. he's gone and gotten the puck and he's created plays and he can do that. Yes. But he is much better served if he's got a guy that could create plays for him. And that's not happening right now. I'd actually would, uh, I'd, I'd make the case that he's not as much of a playmaker that he was last year when he was creating more plays. I think he's being a lot more selfish this year because he has to be more selfish sure. this year. Um, he did not have, he had a noticeably very good game and strong game on Monday. Um, I wasn't at the game. You were there, but even on TV, you could tell on Monday. He was quieter yesterday for sure. He wasn't as strong. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he spent the major- where, where he spent the majority of his season is has been with Joel Erickson Eck. Now, Eck has been thriving recently with Felino and, uh, and Greenway. Yep. And you don't really want to break up that chemistry line. Plus, it goes back to shutting down that opposing top line. Yeah. I get that. And but that what, line started the year together, got broken up, and then got put back together. Right. So, yeah, he has spent some time with 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 Victor Rask. I mean, I think it's more of Kevin Fiala elevating Victor Rask than it is Victor Rask and Prezi are slowing him down. But eventually, I think that catches up to you. right? Eventually, I, I think, unfortunately... Kevin Fiala is going to get damn frustrated, and he wears his heart on his sleeve more than anyone else on the team, in my opinion, that he's going to get fed up with that. And Because, look, he gets pissed when he gets a shot on goal and the goalie gloves it out of midair. You yeah, know? He, cares. I, he, he cares a lot, and I love to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, qui- like I said, quieter yesterday. So far, he's, he's played decently with Victor Rask, at least like in terms of Corsi. You know, they, they are generating a lot more shots. When those when he's on the ice with Victor Rask, but I, again, that's a testament to Fiala, who loves to shoot at will right now. I mean, Fiala's having a career season. He is having even a better season, season than he had before the leg injury in Nashville. I think he's even having a better pace season and a more overall better game than he was at the what the twenty five game run he had last season before the pause. Every metric is up. His shot quantity is up. His goal rate he's is star, up. He's he's a star player. Yeah, he's the he's he's not Kaprizov, but he's a star player. He is. Uh, he is Robin to Kapril Kaprizov. He's the Batman yeah, of the Robin. He's a great player, and that's okay. I, I don't. I'm not a bit as a the nerd in me. Just, I don't like Robin. Uh, it, it just he's just such a dork. And, and Kevin Fiala is not a Robin to me. But but the analogy still applies. Damn it! So I'm going to use it. Um, th- there is something to be said that eventually you'd like to see him play with a little bit more talented playmakers. But right now, I think it's Kevin Fiala holding those guys up basically with, with spit and luck for the for lack of a better. Word. Yeah, I just feel bad for him because I, I feel like he is at, at his age and talent. He is he is ahead of the play by two seconds. Yeah, and they're I, sort of. I mean, 
look, they try, but Zach doesn't have any speed left right now. Correct. And I don't know if it's coming back. Yeah, his, I mean, it might not be. Right now, Fial's averaging three and a half shots per game, which is a ton. His shooting percentage yeah. is eleven percent. I just felt, ba- I felt that's for, sustainable. I felt for him because I feel like he he should be a guy with line mates that can keep up his pace at least or close on a nightly basis. That's why if if they get a center, and let's just say it's Sam Bennett. Let's just say it's Sam Bennett for this. I'm not saying it's going to be Eichel or it was going to be Dubois or Line. Let's just say it's Sam Bennett, who I think obviously needs a change of scenery in Calgary. I'd rather see Bennett play alongside Kevin Fiala than I would rather see Bennett play with Kaprizov because I think Kaprizov can carry more of that weight. Oh, no question. You know, He's so more I, Patrick Kane. I'd rather see hybrid center. I'd rather see someone like Bennett, or if you're going to trade for you know that league average or borderline top six center, I'd yeah. rather see them put with Kevin Fiala because it, it's going to benefit him more than it is with Kaprizov. Let me throw this at at you, and you broached this uh, before the season, and and I was not for it full time, and I'm still not, mm-hmm. but. I firmly believe that if you're down by a goal or two in the third period, Declan, the idea of Kaprizov and Fiala to me now makes more sense based yeah. based on this. Kaprizov is a hybrid center. Like, I, I don't know if he can win draws, and I honestly don't really care, okay? But look at how he sees the ice and his ability to make plays and his speed. And then imagine him with Fiala. You know, I, I think in, in their their heyday, the Blackhawks often would pair uh, Kane and Taze, right? Mm-hmm. And then they'd break them up, and then they'd pair them back, and it didn't matter. Um, I just got to think that Fiala and Kaprizov, if you put them together five-on-five, five too, would have the ability, if you're down and need a goal, to really drive you. And I think Kaprizov would be the perfect guy then because he knows how to defer, and he's decent. And look, I want him to shoot, too. But I want Fiala to be put in, into a position to succeed. I'm not advocating playing them together full time, but I think there's more to see from them by at least giving them an opportunity at times. Yeah, I I made a big point at the beginning of the year that I'd like to see them together because I just didn't trust the depth of this team. And I'll, I'll admit I was wrong here. I usually am. Uh, that the depth has shined. That y- yeah. y- you have guys like Jordan Greenway taking the next step. Marcus Foligno, for God's sake, has been a point for game player over the last month. Um, you have, you, have a, you have a very established fourth line, even with Ryan Hartman out right now. But I think if you're down a goal, or if you're in, if, if the if the script was flipped, if you were down three goals yesterday against Vegas, yes, you have to have Kaprizov and Fiala on the ice. You absolutely have. Which to. Which they've done a couple times, but they have not done much. No, they have not spent a ton of time on the ice. In fact, I even have it up right now. Um, so far this season, Kevin Fiala has spent only 31 minutes with Kaprizov on the ice. Yeah. Only 31 minutes. Including power play time? Uh, this is five-on-five five time. Okay. This is five-on-five five time. Yeah, so, it doesn't feel like a ton. So, he, I mean, for example, he has spent over 109 minutes with Joel Erickson Eck. He has spent 87 minutes with Jordan Greenway. He has spent 75 minutes with Zach Parisi. They they have mostly been apart when on five-on-five five even strength. And for the most part, that's okay. What I'm is. saying is I think there's something there. And, and Kaprizov could be the facilitator to Fiala that could be successful. Yep. I think there is something to be said about those two playing together. One final thing off the Vegas um, uh, game that I'd like to get to, and it, it's not a wild um, note. It's one from the Golden Knights. Okay, Mark Andre Fleury. Okay. Oh yeah. First of all, it's incredible. Yeah, he he's the flower. He got power, pulled man. last night, and they and he gave up four goals. But without him, they probably give up nine or ten goals. Yeah. Um, but here's one thing he does that I absolutely love. And this is along the lines of the fact that sports today lack personality, okay? Batting stances now. 
Like, we used to have these goofy, it was great, batting, yeah, all Jeff that Field, stuff. Like, how many guys well. now, I mean, they all look the same, right? Right. Like, guys used to change their batting stance constantly, and now <laughs> it's like, well, I worked with my hitting coach, and here's how I stand. Okay, what the flower does, and I absolutely love it, and it's an old school thing, is when he makes a big glove save, he styles it for the camera. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was wondering this, where you're going. Mike Palmatier, who played for the Maple Leafs and Capitals, was as I recall, the king of, of this. Billy Smith, the old school goaltenders, uh, circa 80s at least, mm-hmm. into, I guess, the early 90s, but certainly in, in my youth of watching hockey, okay, the goaltenders would style glove saves. So if you made a big glove save, you wouldn't just make the save and be and be technically sound and there's the whistle on a face-up, okay? You would make the save, and Flurry did this last night, and you would hold the puck there with your skate sort of out, right? And you would sort of show what you just did for the cameras. Yep. I love the fact that this guy does that. Old school, it's fan Because look at the amount of goaltenders now who make outstanding saves, and it's just, okay, technically sound. Okay, here's the puck. Uh-uh. Flower made a save last night, and who was that? It was an unbelievable glove save. Um, it was right below me, so it was a second period save. What was it the Spurgeon one when he came in alone and pulled a Ralston and 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 slapped one? It might there have was been one, and then I believe there was been. another. But it was to the side. It was to the side of the cage. I think it was to the far side from the press box where I was at. Mm-hmm. And he made a great save, but he made sure to show you exactly that how he had made that save. It's a very small thing, and it's a flamboyant thing. I love it, but it gives you personality. It's yeah. what sports lacks it's now. Great. I'm so tired of technical things. Yes, I'm so tired of this. Is technically it. It is a it's a small goaltender version of the bat flip. Yep, because you're showing the guy and you're showing the cameras and you're showing the fans. I got this puck, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna stay frozen. <laughs> That's what you do. You freeze the save. No, it's it's very sexy. He he was showing off, and it's it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy to me watching what has transpired in in net with Vegas over the last year. So. So Robin, they acquire Robin Leonard last year. They go on a run. The season gets paused, but Leonard's still their guy in the summer. And he's been he, hurt now? Yep, he re-signs. He's still forever. the number one guy. He yep. gets hurt early in the season. Everyone thought Fleury, there was, there was trade rumors to the wild with uh, Mark andre Oh, he Fleury. was going to be dealt. Huge he was going to be dealt. Now, and, 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 like, I feel so bad for Leonard at the same time because Leonard established himself. He looked like he was going to be the number one. He gets hurt. And now Fleury's back being the typical flower power and and and, and one of the most decorated goaltenders of the, of the last 20 years, basically. Yes. And now Leonard's going to be buried. Like, when Leonard gets back, I mean, he'll get rotated in for sure, but Leonard's probably going to be packed to where he was in Chicago, where it's just like, well, what the hell do I have to do to be the man here? Upper so, body butt, by the way, for him. Yep, so he's been out since February, but it's cool to see. And look, I, I think Vegas is so much fun to watch. You brought up the point, and I know he, he literally could have put more salt in the wound. Alex Tuck was so close to putting salt in the wound again on the Wild fans. Um, he man, is, he's good. He's fun to watch, man. He is he is damn, damn good, and you could see why uh, it was a humongous mistake to trade him because I could not imagine a team that already has Kaprizov and Fiala and Alex Tuck possibly on the same roster. So which of those two, one is going to be a Seattle Kraken, and I bet Leonard has protection. I bet I bet Mark Andre Fleury is going to have to be exposed. He's going to be with his second expansion team, and watch they'll be good too. Yeah, they could. Uh, Seattle won't be as good as no. Vegas was because those backhanded trades won't be happening as much. But but they're set. It'll up be to a be good successful. draft, though. Yes, they'll be they'll be set up to be successful. Absolutely. All right, let's transition to this. Okay. 
because it's back. Oh, yeah. It's back. All right. Can I take you back, Declan? Oh, go for Goff, it. to coming out of the uh, 2004-2005 lockout. National Hockey League lost an entire season, okay? Yep. And their TV deals were up at that time. Oh, I, don't, I think you may have told me this story, but I love it anyway. Okay, so I'm on a conference call because at that time I'm doing the uh, TV radio sports column for the Star Tribune. Yeah. I'm on a conference call with Commissioner of the National Hockey League, our guy Gary Bettman. And it was to announce that Outdoor Life Network, Outdoor Life Network had secured the rights to the National Hockey League's cable package. ESPN was out. <laughs> and so I think it was in his opening comments, and yeah, I've told this story before, know, but like it's it, just though. fantastic. No, it's great. Uh, in his opening <laughs> comments on this conference call, Gary's talking about, you know, this is so exciting. They gotten paid something for it. Um, and what a great partner ESPN had been. And then Gary says in one of the most either just complete <laughs> lies of all time and or making him the most naive commissioner to ever walk the face of the earth. He says, I'm sure our friends at ESPN will still feature as much hockey on things like SportsCenter as they always have. I dropped the phone because I said to myself, hold on a second. Here. Wait a minute here. You play a cult sport, which I love, but it's a cult sport. Uh, it's not a sport that necessarily is popular throughout the country. ESPN has at that time, I think, baseball for sure, National Football League, bunch of college sports, NBA, I think, by that time. And you're telling me you think that SportsCenter is going to lead with the Rangers and Bruins play tonight. Gary, you got something coming. Well, it's been since then that the cable package went from OLN to Versus, which then I think got bought by um, NBC Comcast, the Xfinity folks, uh, and, then trans- and then it transferred to NBCSN, which is going away. And now, and by the way, throughout this time, I told you this too. I said, why doesn't this league accept the fact that it might not get as much from one network, but split the package up? The NBA has, baseball has, split your split your cable package up because ESPN is a huge place to be. It is the it is like it or not the single most influential yes. sport. Like it's not even close. Nobody says uh, I'm. I don't know tonight. Am I going to watch NBCSN, CBS Sports Network, or ESPN? Okay. So finally, this week the news has come out, and I'm looking at a New York Post story here. ESPN slash Walt Disney. And the National Hockey League oh. have agreed to a $2.8 billion deal over the next seven seasons beginning next year that is going to put hockey back on ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, Hulu. It's also, um, I, I believe, or it's going to have four Stanley Cup finals on ESPN slash ABC. Mm-hmm. Now, there is going to be a secondary package, which I think is probably going to land at NBC again. And... That package will include three Stanley Cup finals, would include an NBC, of course, and then because NBCSN is going away, USA Network would pick up uh, the cable rights. But this is the first time in a long time, TV-wise, that I think Bettman and the league have done the exact right thing. And it's not just Dex because of the games, which I believe the number that I saw is is going to be more than 1,000 games over the seven-year period but it's also because of the ancillary programming and the highlight shows that is going to get back on the most influential network out there. Okay, I saw so and I saw so many comments already on this from people. 
that were number one saying, oh, so are you finally going to show hockey highlights? Number one, yes. That, that, <laughs> yes, you idiot. That, that, is, that is exactly why this partnership is now happening, and that is exactly why they will show it. Like, what, what, what the hell were you thinking? Of course they haven't been showing it because they didn't have the rights to it. And they've been like slowly crawling back with the ESPN Plus deal and that In the Crease show with Melrose and Linda Cohen, and I love them. That's great. But no, th- this puts hockey back on the map. You need this. You needed ESPN for multiple reasons. Number one, what two, you said two point seven billion? Is that what you said? Uh, two point eight. Two point eight billion over seven billion? years. That is humongous for the league, which, by the way, is going to be good news because the cap is flat because of COVID for the next two seasons. Oh, it's huge. That's going to inject some much needed revenue into the league that they are desperately going to need. NBC has been great. I love what NBC does. Also, being strictly on NBC is such a hockey thing to do of, hey, this is our niche sport. This is our specific network. We're not going to broaden our horizon. We know where fans are coming from, so we're just going to cater to those fans. You need to broaden your horizon. You need to put it out there. And now I know less games are going to be available Excuse me, on, on national TV. I think it's only like 25 regular season games a year on ESPN slash ABC. And you can gripe about that, but with, with number one, we're going we're gonna to get thick in the weeds here that with Sinclair and the whole TV broadcast sports regional networks being completely up in the air, them going exclusively to Hulu and them doing stuff with ESPN Plus, this is the new name of the game for sports. Oh, yeah. You're going to see, a, like, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, I, I don't have the details, but I'd be like, what if NBA eventually, they're going to partner with maybe just YouTube TV? What if MLB does a thing just with Spectrum or something like that, right? This is the new norm. So, like, you're the, the insane satellite and cable TV packages that Judd Zolgad loves to pay for, that's eventually that we're, we're going away from that. So if you truly want to experience hockey, and by the way, I'm guessing a lot of you already have Disney Plus and or Hulu, then you're just going to you're going to be just fine. You're going to be able to watch a lot of these games before they just won't be on basic cable anymore. And that's fine. That's good. You needed this. ESPN and the NHL is a marriage that I'm happy it's back together. They need each other. But the main thing, too, here, though, is is that and this is what they wouldn't do. And and. They left ESPN after the lockout because I believe what was offered to them at the time, and they should have taken this and tried to split the package then, was NBC, they jumped at the chance to go there and show games nationally because it was a broadcast network, um, but it was a what they call a revenue share, which means we basically both profit, but you don't pay me a rights fee, okay? Mm-hmm. ESPN, I think, offered the same thing, and they're like, oh, no, we need a straight rights fee. Okay, but you're giving up coverage. Like, you are giving, you are forfeiting the most important sports network in the country. Now, the key now is this. By splitting the package decks, they still have to sell, and this deal's not done yet, three Stanley Cup finals, mm-hmm. half the playoffs, and more regular season games, which is, the bidding on that is down to NBC and Fox. So yes, you won't have, so ABC, ESPN will have X amount of games that might not be as much, but you're still going to have a secondary package. So there's going to be a ton on. And the most important thing now is you've got two networks paying you. Yes. Paying you. Yes. Um, By the way. All right. So, so these days in hockey and all sports, we've got a lot of lip service about being inclusive of people, right? Like we got a lot of uh, women deserve more chances, which they do. Um, you know, black men, black women deserve more chances, which they do. I see a perfect opportunity with the ESPN package to, instead of talking about it, do something here. Yeah. 
put Linda Cohen on play-by-play. Has she done play-by-play before? I don't know. You can work with her if you have to. For sure. But the point is, this... She should be involved. Steve? Oh, yeah. And she will be. Mm -hmm. But... Levy. Levy is a guy who does Monday Night Football and was never known until he started doing, I think, college games as a play-by-play guy, right? He's built for hockey. So, But he is. But my point is... They like to, and this is great, they're, they have taken to promoting people who have worked a long time there and worked hard at studio shows, blah, 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 to put them on games. Linda Cohn on hockey, I think, would be perfect. And by the way, also, I can see the picture, so I don't need her calling everyone who touches the puck. Mm-hmm. But if you put her in the booth and she can improve gradually and she is with an uh, a color guy that can bring something and they can have conversations decks, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I would think, um, number one, and by the way, and, and this is not to, I think Linda Cohen needs to be involved in the broadcast regardless, and I think she will, whether that's play-by-play, color, some type of eyesight, side, I think she'll be involved. Oh, in the she'll broadcast. be involved. I'm just saying I think that it but should be play-by-play. I, honestly, I, and, and this is, for inclusion talk, yes, I, I love to have these conversations, and I know this is against inclusion talk, but you need to bring back Gary Thorne. Gary Thorne said he's open to coming back to ESPN. He would love to do it. Bring back Gary Thorne. And I know that's that's one step backwards when it, when it comes to the conversation of inclusion. But Gary Thorne back on ESPN Hockey would be amazing. Look, they're not going to bring back Thorne and Clement as much as fun that that would be. Yeah, they're I not going to do both. Here's the problem. I don't know that, they're, that, that they would pay Thorne now because they're paying so much and they, they've allowed so many employees to go and he wouldn't be cheap. I don't know that they would do that. It's a good question. I, I think... Um, I, well, because there's such a small amount of games, though, I yeah, don't think, I don't know what the I, I don't think that they would. I, I have no idea what the price yeah. would be. He's but, good. He's but I would love good. to have Thorne back. And yes, no, I think Linda Cohen would be sweet, too. Linda Cohen would be awesome. But I mean, that's that's She's the type that's the type of thing that they should do. Mm-hmm. And that's what then that makes a ton of, of, of sense. So but congratulations. This is where hockey should be. Yes. Because if you have an interest in growing the sport at all. You need to get it in front of as many casual eyeballs as possible. Yes. And I'm sorry, I do not think casual sports fan finds NBCSN. I think soccer fan does, right? Yep. EPL is great. It's literally, it's the niche sports network. Yeah, and and hockey. But we know to go there. Yeah. Now you're going to have it be so on a random night, you're flipping around. You're like, I'm going to check out what basketball game is on ESPN. It's going to be be a hockey game, and that's fantastic. And that's good news. I love it. All right, so... Um, wow, meaty episode. We're about done here. Okay, so we'll we'll be back <laughs> with a one-timer probably before next yeah. week. But the Wild play... They play Arizona Friday, Sunday afternoon. In fact, okay. you know what? Let's plan on doing one Monday. Okay. Let's plan on yeah. doing a one-timer on Monday and back with a uh, full show as well the middle of next week. Declan? Pass shoot score. He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.